the wheel, the printing press, a gasoline-powered engine, the internet, social media, and now NFTs, crypto, and the blockchain are all forms of technology that have helped mankind grow and develop. They have also helped Christians carry out the Great Commission, carrying God's gospel message to the ends of the earth for God's glory. So welcome to Reformers Roundtable, where Reformers is a pioneering community of Christians ready to guide you through the Web3 landscape. And Reformers Roundtable is a conversation held weekly in Twitter spaces between the Reformers leadership, the Reformers community, and our friends who join us live, which you can too. So go to ReformersNFT.com to learn more, to join the Discord community, as well as follow us on Twitter for updates for the next live Reformers Roundtable. Without further ado, here is this week's conversation. I think this is a probably a timely conversation of where does innovation and permanency meet? Because of all things like if something is immutably put on the uh, blockchain, how do you innovate in such a way to where you can uh, iterate so you build upon innovation after innovation after innovation. How can you do that in a permanent way, but also yet have the foresight to be able to iterate and change and adapt and continue to grow, right? Like there's there's this healthy tension between permanency, which is important, right? Like, uh, I mean, even in the Bible, it talks about building your foundation upon a rock, which is permanent, but then like you still have to evolve and those kinds of things along the way. But that's what I was going to say, Stephen, what were you going to say? Um, no, that's great. That's better. What I was going to say is, is irrelevant at this point. Uh, I did Google permanency is actually with, uh, it's not Nancy. It's an E and C Y, but ah. you know, it's sometimes the typo that actually makes the thing viral. So, <laughs> well, I'm changing it so it's no longer permanency. I have a uh, aunt named Nancy who would be ashamed of me for writing that. Just kidding. She probably wouldn't. <laughs> but... Yeah, so um Does she happen to have a a perm as well? So that would be perfect. <laughs> you know, I'm sure at one point she did. I don't know if she does anymore. <laughs> Well, I'd love to just, uh, go ahead and open the floor. I mean, this this uh, tension between innovation and permanency in Web three, like how how do you how do you build something permanent and have the foresight? Because here's the thing, right? It's like we're we're on which which uh, version, like iPhone thirteen, right now. And so, if we were talking about like in Web three terms, we'd be on what version thirteen point of an NFT, like how do you even do that in web three, like build, but at the same time, like, or is it what, what needs to be permanent or what needs to be changeable in web three? Um, do we, before we get into it and Johannes, you can, you can take the first stab at it. Um, if you want, do we want to have a, anyone else join us for this discussion or what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm not sure if anyone else can, can join us either. Yeah. I'm more but than I see Jason. 
Yeah, anyone, anyone, I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion that anyone we can, and I'll, I can help navigate the conversation, we can fill up the stage. I believe we've got, uh, there's three of us, so we've got six more spots available on the stage. I can send invites, or we can just open it up and let someone request. Cool. But uh, so while we're waiting for that, I will. Uh, I'll go ahead and take the the first stab. More like just the opening salvo. See if see if this gins uh, up any conversation. But um, been thinking a lot about it. Um, I'm, I always get drawn back to the, the historical concept of what is a, a revolution. Um, so we think of revolutions as like massive changes and, and huge forward momentum. Um, I I think there's there's some truth to that. But the if you look at the the, the, the the term revolution before it was political, it was scientific. It actually refers to a, a body in motion coming back to the starting point. So when you've, you know, when the earth has revolved around the sun, it's back to the point that it started. Um, so it, in, in so many ways, when you look at these like revolutionary new technologies, um, what you're looking is, is that thing that can push forward while at the same time kind of returning back to the, the, the core concepts and what was important at first. Um, so that's that's one thing I've been sort of noodling around with and not so much making a point there as, as opening that up for discussion. Um, but in, in terms maybe more specifically looking at how Christians deal in Web3, how, how it works within the kingdom, um, it really is striking. It, it feels like how much of the Bible is like, uh, so biblically speaking, um, there are so many like core concepts that it's like, hey, return return to God. Like I, I am the Lord your God. Um, that, that gets spoken so many times uh so explicit in the old testament like when you go and move in the land you will know that i am the lord your god like so on and so on and so on um so that's why i was drawn to this community was just this this focus of like all right what are the things that we want to remain the same Um, i have a feeling like technology needs to change but the the goals and what we're trying to achieve are the things that um that are remaining the same that, that are providing that north star for us um so Really, Jack, again, just more more open thoughts and not anything. I have trouble. Uh, I, I've like learned to just not even try to make predictions of what's coming next um, because I'm like, guaranteed to be wrong. So um, that's that's about as, as far as I'm uh, willing to like declaratively say. Um, that's helpful. I love the Old Testament reference. And, you know, New Testament reference would be, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians talking about how you know, he's resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's kind of this growing and knowing Christ. And like, that's our, that's our life now, you know, it's, it's not that, it's not that just the gospel saves, but the gospel, like uh, the, the message of the gospel and, and who Christ is, is like sanctifying us as well. Um, I think what's interesting in regards to, you know, innovation and uh, permanency is and you know, I'll, I'll throw this out, and I'd be curious, kind of, where this all goes. But I think there's a tendency that we can have, uh, and I don't know if this is a just a Christian tendency or if it's kind of everyone. But there's a tendency that we can have that if something has been successful or there we have had success in the past because of a past innovation, that we kind of move forward. And I guess you see this in companies, Christian and non-Christian. But you you move you see companies that are unwilling to innovate, unwilling to adapt. And I think Blockbuster is a great example of this. You know, we grew up going to Blockbuster to get 
VHS VC, uh, for our VCRs uh, or you know video games rentals or whatever it is. And I they you know they had an opportunity to buy Netflix, a streaming service, and they just said, yeah, that's not going to be a thing. Um, and so I think for for us as Christians, we there can be a a tendency to presume presume upon the Lord's past kindness to us. You know, we've had maybe innovations that have been successful in the past and, and things that have worked to, you know, promote the gospel and to impact the kingdom in great ways. And because it has worked, we just continue to do those things instead of having a daily dependence on the Lord. And how is how is the Lord at work right now? And just that kind of dependence on the Lord, and this kind of goes back to what I just referenced in, in 1 Corinthians of Paul saying, I've resolved to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. And it's like that daily dependence on the Lord. It it also reminds me of the story of, of Jesus um, coming down from the mount and the, the boy is demon-possessed and the disciples are like, you know, we couldn't um, cast out, um, we, you know, what we, we couldn't cast this demon out. And Jesus comes, this is the kind that only can be cast out by prayer. And then again, it reminds you of that dependence upon the Lord. And so when we start to presume upon the Lord's past kindness in our innovation, and it, um, I think it's, it's, it's setting us up for failure. And so um, I kind of want to flip it around and say like permanent innovation, which means like a daily dependence on the Lord and look at the tools the Lord has provided and what does, you know, using the things that he has uh, put in front of us um, and, and the minds that he's given us, how do we, you know, continue to depend upon him, but then like daily innovate. Uh, and it's, so it's like a permanent innovation. Um, now those some random thoughts, but. Not random at all. Not random at all. I think that's a well said point of focusing on daily innovation with the Lord. <clears throat> you sa- I heard you say as Christians, we can sometimes rely on the Lord's past blessing instead of having a daily dependence on him. Um, I love that. Well, I mean, it reminded me of two quick thoughts that are rattling around in my head as we talk about this. We used to say it a lot more at the current company that I'm at now than we do uh, now, probably because uh, we had to literally live through it. But we used to talk a lot about how we were married to the mission, but not the methods, right? We were married to what the uh, ultimate end goal outcome, what we were trying to achieve as a business, but yet we were flexible in how we would get that done, which was important for us because as a company, um, currently the company that I'm with, is we, we do events. And two years ago when the pandemic hit, we were no longer able to gather people together in person. And so we had to change and we had to uh, find new ways to gather people together. And that was primarily through virtual. And so the, the mission that we had, which we kind of have this uh, unofficial official mission of ending the plague of boring events, like that's what we talk about as a company, and that what that evolved into the new method that we weren't used to is like we built a studio and we started to stream and we started to teach other people how to stream. We started to help our clients stream. And so I think that that's really important 
um, for what you're talking about. Then the other thought, uh, real quick, and I'll, I'll open it, I'll uh, hand it back to um, you fellas, to the rest. And if anyone else wants to join the conversation, please uh, be sure to hit that request button. But the other thing was, uh, is this thought, and I can't remember who uh, said it originally, but it's the thought of what got you here won't get you there, which is, I think, um, pretty pretty much what you were saying, Stephen, is not not necessarily doing things the way that they've always been done because the Lord showed us favor. If we were a business that was, if we were a business that was creating uh, widgets, right, like. Uh, or we'll, we'll just say like fidget spinners. Like we just can't as a company continue on once the fidget spinner craze dies out, you've got to evolve and do something else and innovate. <clears throat> and, and then I guess the third and final thought that literally just popped in my head as I said the word innovate is I, uh, there was a group, it was kind of like a group within a group within a company. I think it was like the uh, biz dev department and they had the uh, really simple three-word slogan of their department, which was innovate or die, <laughs> right? And to your point with like Blockbuster, Blockbuster didn't innovate and they died. And here we are with a Blockbusterless world. I think there's actually one Blockbuster left, but unless you live in Oregon, that's uh, that is out of your reach. Uh, but um, The low so- one. The lone one, which, you know, it's great. Um, so yeah. And so I think that's, this is all such a, like a great background and particularly, you know, grounding ourselves in, um, Christian and biblical principles. Um, this is all that, that, that's very important to do grounding, but I wonder then if we were to go a little more tactical, um, speaking about like, all right, so in, in the world of technical development, what are the things, the, the way I've heard it framed is motion versus motor. So like we want to keep the motion moving forward. That's the, the innovation that can keep happening, but we want to keep the motor, like we got to respect the motor, the, the thing that's got us this far and is going to keep us moving. Um, so I'll, I'll throw this out as a kind of a proposition and, and would love to get um, feedback. I think if we're, we're talking about technical innovation and general ecosystem that allows for um, the development of like kind of the, the basis of the Western world today. Um, there's three things. There's the, the rule of law, um, the respect for private property, and the reliability of institutions. So how, how incorruptible are they? So rule of law saying that the, the highest, the highest uh, so that a, a set of rules is higher than any individual's sort of command by fiat, um, which I know is a, a loaded term in this community anyway. So um, it's, it doesn't matter what a politician says on a whim. It's more, we, we've all agreed to these laws, a respect for private property, um, which I think really speaks to in the crypto world. That's just so inherent. It's so ingrained in, in this whole ecosystem that like you have ownership, you have true ownership of your own rights. And that's what, that's what, you know, Bitcoin is all about for the, for the fungible types and NFTs are all about for non-fungible property. Um, and then the reliability of institutions. So can they be corrupted? So I think that is right now the biggest sticking point just from the news, like the articles that I'm reading, um, even the, the recent things about AVAX uh, versus Solana and what's going on with Ava Labs and some, some strange, apparently corrupt practices happening. Um, I would say those are the things where it's like, all right, we need to build our systems to hit those three rule of law, private property and incorruptibility of, of institutions. Um, so many other things can be built and innovated beyond that, but I, I don't think we should touch those or, or mess with those. 
Jason or Steven, any follow-up thoughts to that? Because, I mean, I wrote those three down, the rule of law, respect for private property, reliability of institutions. I think we could touch on any one of those, but uh, thoughts between the two of you first? Um, yeah, I, I was just curious, Johannes, um, uh, what what you um, can you unpack a little bit on, on what you mean? Like, I don't think we should touch going beyond those because uh, I just, yeah, I would love to understand a little bit more of what you mean by that. For sure. So, um, uh, I think it, it's starting with those as sort of the, the foundation, I think we can build quite a bit on top of them. Um, so when it comes to like systems of governance and trying new things, I think if you start tweaking those too much, like there, there's a lot of different things you can tweak, like, you know, how much do people get rewarded for instance, for their work? And, um, uh, how do we, how do we, um, how do we, yeah, how do we deal with, uh, uh, I guess, divvying out like um, equity in a company? There's, there's a whole lot of other questions that can be messed with and innovated on. I think those three have historically proven as like the basis of societies that, um, that can, can allow innovation. Um, I'm, I'm not being, I'm having trouble, um, putting words to this, but I'll say if we can have like a set of rules that we agree upon based on those three, so the rule of law, private property and reliable institutions, um, it allows for, it's almost like the, the dedication to those principles, sub, submitting yourself to those principles allows for greater freedom in the end to innovate. Um, and I, I think that is a very biblical basis of like submitting to God gives us the ultimate freedom. Um, and, and in that way, um, I, I feel like there's, there's a lot here and you can, I think you can pull out rule of law, private property and reliable institutions, uh, coming up over and over and over again in the old Testament. So I think this is something that we have sort of intrinsically understand, um, biblically, but I, uh, I, Jason, does that answer your question? I apologize. I'm, I'm really having no, a yeah, I, of this. <laughs> no, yeah, I was just really curious. Um, cause I, I definitely agree um, I would argue that there's a few more um, tacked on to that. Um, Acton Institute, if anyone's familiar with them, mm-hmm. uh, they've put together a great kind of like foundations of a um, free, independent and just society. And they definitely have those three listed on there. Uh, but there are a few many other points there. But I definitely agree Um using those as foundational where I think web three technologies can add in value there to not change the foundation of how those like function, um, how those like are uh, a fundamental basis to a, uh, like a f- highly functioning society, but more so in the interaction and exchange for us as individuals um, because we're removing the need for a centralized entity and exchanging that out with a trustless mechanism, which is blockchain technologies. So I see it, yeah, as a very big next step, but uh, pairing it with a lot of those fundamental biblically based, um, you know, principles of uh, a free and functioning society. Um, Johannes, you had mentioned the avalanche Thing as an example, if you, um, I don't, I'm just wondering, would it be worth? And I didn't even, I didn't read that in in depth, and so I wonder if we 
like is that a helpful kind of example of this and then we can maybe even just talk about that and, and see where that goes yeah i've got a lot of thoughts on that steven oh, so. i'd be i'd be happy to hand that over to jason because yeah I, I read that one article and i'm almost like i'm almost uh shocked enough by it to not believe all of it because it it seems so absurd that that happened, but um, Jason, I'll, I'll definitely would love to hear your your uh, synopsis and your thoughts on it. But, <laughs> yeah. And J- Jason has some immediate some uh, some buy in in the Avalanche ecosystem too, so I think he's got a different kind of perspective than than yeah you know, yeah we've been working pretty closely with Ava Labs recently. Um, so uh, Carbon Twelve, which is a Christian crypto project, um, I know some of you in the room here have heard about it before, but yeah, we're our first token, the C twelve tokens on Avalanche. Um, but yeah, I you know um, the uh, they released that article um, what twenty four hours ago, a little bit more than that kind of targeting um, the uh, Kyle Rocher's law firm and the connection with uh, AVAX and, uh, and AVA Labs early on. Um, and yeah, I was actually awaiting, I was pinging the Avalanche team to for a response on that, which they did give a few hours ago. Um, so um, you can search on, I think, Emir's uh, Twitter. He linked it and then Kyle Rocher, the the lawyer from the the main article um, also put out a response, but the quick synopsis of it was basically uh, that Ava Labs and the original core team um, had this kind of legal pact with Kyle Rocher, who was an early kind of legal advisor to the Ava Labs team, um, and in a <laughs> kind of a, a hit piece, um, this. The other IDX token and another group connected to Solana um, was trying to get Kyle's firm to to work with them, or, uh, so, or un, apparently under false pretenses. That's what uh, he mentioned. But he had like a hidden camera and was recording everything. So Kyle was like making a lot of arrogant comments and things. So uh, basically, to try to yeah get the this uh, story published. So. Um, it's basically saying that uh, Ava Labs is going out there creating class action lawsuits against other competitor crypto projects to tie them up legal in legal battles and to also get insights into the operations of how those other crypto projects work. Uh, because in a class action lawsuit, you do have to hand over a lot of information that's requested and a lot of that's public uh, public knowledge so um and the uh the legal parties can look at all the information and go through it so that was kind of the accusation um that kind of came about and uh, yeah again in the responses that they put out which i highly recommend everyone to uh, to take a look at um you know it's interesting every crypto project um has a lot of these ups and downs uh i'm glad that uh, ava allows put out more of a kind of a statement and a response to what was going on um but yeah there's still again uh this idea of trust you have to trust in the the core team leadership of the projects thankfully with ava labs like node architecture i'm i feel pretty comfortable about it compared to other projects um even like flow blockchain the the team at dapper labs are the main developers uh, and maintainers of Flow, you know, they maintain majority ownership of the nodes, which I don't necessarily like. I'm not a huge fan of because you still have to have more trust in that core team. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're still humans and fallible. Uh, that's where I would love to see 
a stronger Christian blockchain coming out uh, with a little bit more innovative ideas on how it can function and keep the core team accountable, maybe with like a DAO structure. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, Johannes and Steven, that's kind of a little bit about what happened. Um, so yeah, I can share more about kind of the responses too, if you guys want, but that's how I understand it. And I kept getting people pinging me, uh, cause you know, obviously we're on avalanche or like what's going on. So <laughs> when it really speaks to them, that, that reliability of institutions, if let, let's say this is like truly a hit piece, um, what does that say to the reliability of some of our media and, and reporting, um, institutions with like, it's just gotten to the point where it's like, all right, yeah, you can't trust crypto, but you can trust us. Don't, don't worry. Like wink, wink, just, just whatever we, we write, you should listen to. So I, I, I can't comment. I, I'm sure plenty more information will come out down the road, but it seems like some, some level of institutional trust across society is, is breaking down right now. Um, I think, you know, Satoshi's white paper back in 2009 was seemingly, uh, in direct response to how the banks and governments were handling um, various uh, uh, economic crises and bailouts. Um, so that that breakdown in institutions, sort of a trust in institution has sort of led to this entire ecosystem that we work in, that we're, we're living in right now. Um, and, and knock on effects from that is we've, you know, created new technologies that allow for um, private, you know, digital private property, which it would not have made sense you know, five years ago, that that would have been sort of um, inconceivable. But uh, it's it's amazing. It's almost like when one one of these things breaks down, everything else sort of goes by the wayside. Yeah, the other um, thought too, um, kind of going back to the idea of innovation and, and permanency, um, is this idea of. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, learning from our mistakes and constantly getting, um, I think, new releases that are ultimately um, going back to uh, letting people and encouraging people to live a more abundant life um, with pointing them to, uh, to the truth. That's, you know, one of the core missions of my own life, too, is to uh, build businesses, uh, develop software projects, you know, that ultimately achieve the greater good, point people to the truth. And ultimately, as Christians, you know, that's the gospel. So some of these things um, that I, I could see, and that's why I'm uh, obviously in this space, is I, I, I do see that Christians have a responsibility to see this, these new innovative technologies and apply it to a lot of our situations because block, uh, there are certain blockchain technologies that are being created that could provide a major solution to a lot of the problems we see around the world. Um, you know, there's um, last numbers were 2.3 billion Christians around the world. Um, but Christians are also the average Christian is also the least, uh, the lowest supporter uh, in terms of t uh, tithing and donations compared to other religions like uh, the Jewish population, uh, the Muslim population, uh, and then also the uh, the the Mormon Church. They have a very bigger push for getting people involved in in supporting like their religious causes. Whereas in Christianity, there's a lot of these kind of separations that are, are out there. And unfortunately, it's because of this kind of 
um, fractioned functioning of where we're all at that no one has really kind of <laughs> brought us together where blockchain is literally sitting there being used all around the world. Um, so yeah, I would love to see more Christians coming and that's a lot of why what I do every day is wanting to build towards that mission of uniting the the kingdom together using these technologies for for social good um not only social good from a nonprofit perspective but also businesses and business owners you know can use this technology to to have an even greater impact with people all around the world literally all you need is you know a phone uh, and most people around the world don't even uh you know they they have a they're more likely to have a cell phone than a computer um, so, you know, I always tell people, um, if you want to look at the future of tech, always look at where the big companies are spending in acquisition, um, and you know, what companies they're acquiring because that's the next 10 to 20 years kind of roadmap, uh, and mobile technology back in the day before it kind of became what it is now. Uh, that's a lot of what they were acquire, uh, acquiring. So, and it has negatives as well, <laughs> because of the uh, the dominance of some of these apps. I mean, just look at TikTok. The amount of attention that people spend with the algorithm of addiction. Like, imagine if we used that those algorithms for for good and sharing truth rather than for diversion and, in my opinion, manipulation. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sitting here absorbing what you guys were talking about. <clears throat> and uh, a couple of thoughts um, that you guys really touched on that I think we could uh, talk a little bit more about <clears throat> is going back to uh, what we were originally saying of where does innovation and permanency meet. Uniting people, I think, is definitely something that's super important to do. And uh, these these concepts and these rules to build upon of having a rule of law, respect of private for private property, reliability of institutions. I think that if we expand upon those and really what I'm hearing pretty much everyone say is that the ultimate goal, the ultimate outcome of what we're trying to accomplish. Cause even Jason, like you, you shared with us your personal like mission statement, it sounded like. And so that is going to evolve over time as technology is going to evolve over time. And uh, I think it's even interesting, uh, jo uh, Jack, that when you shared uh, and we started to talk about this article um, that's coming out about what's going on, uh, well, seemingly allegedly what's going on behind the scenes at Avalanche, like that, that would be a that would I think fall under is that suspect to the reliability of institutions, which is even the media and the marketing that surrounds these things, right? So because there's there's going to be the institution, the one who's actually building the thing, and then there's going to be the institution or even like the sub institution within which is the marketing department, and is the marketing department accurately sharing with the world information that's relevant for people to know? And that's accurate for us to understand of where things are going, what has been done, those kinds of things. So that's something interesting to, to even think about. And then 
uh, again, going back to like, well, what is, what is the ultimate end goal of what you're trying to accomplish? If you set out as an institution, as an organization, and you have, you're following the rule of law, if you're respecting people's private property and you set out as an organization and your goal is to, uh, save the flamingos, I'm just coming up with something, <laughs> but all of a sudden, uh, at some point the flamingos don't need saving anymore. Or if they do need saving, but you find as an institution, it's easier to uh, save the egrets instead, just because of whatever reason it's easier to, but you have a whole bunch of passionate people that are really excited to save the flamingos. All of a sudden your institution is no longer reliable in the eyes of the people. And so I think that reliability in the eyes of the people, I think is interesting. That's happening in web three because the community aspect of uniting people underneath either a certain crypto banner or under a certain blockchain banner or under a certain NFT profile picture banner, that uniting of people and allowing people to have a voice in the way that the institution even operates as a DAO, if that's something that you're working towards, is interesting. And I think that the people are finding that their voice is powerful and I think that that's important for Web3 in holding us accountable towards a set of permanency, but as well as innovation. And and I I remember back, uh, and then Stephen, I, I saw you on mute, so I want to hand it to you. So I, I have a degree in education, and uh, I've shared this a couple of times with a couple of different groups. But one of the things that we did is we, uh, we studied um, schedules and rules and things. And one of the pieces of... One of the pieces of, uh, what was it, research that came out that they shared with us, they said, hey, there's a study of uh, two families or a group of families, and in a family where uh, there is a backyard that is fenced in versus a backyard that is not fenced in, now there, there are clear boundaries with the fence in the backyard, and what they found is that kids stayed in a smaller, uh, like square footage when there was no backyard, uh, there was no fence in the backyard. Whereas if you have a fence in the backyard, the kids like ran all, they used up more space. They ran around more of the property because they clearly knew where the boundaries were. So I think that's something to interesting to think about under this guise of, okay, well, there is innovation and there is a certain freedom when you know where the rules are, when you know where the boundaries are. So just another thought there. Um, yeah, some, some to add, Stephen, uh, anybody else? Yeah, I mean, um, love what you're saying. It, it is interesting. I'm just, you know, reflecting a little bit on just some of what has happened in the last year, especially in the NFT world. You know, the Board API Club, for example, has had, like countless allegations uh, raised against them and like some that is that are still ongoing like just a ton of fud um and i you know i don't even know if it's valid it's not like i have i don't have skin in the game i don't really care to read and you know to research but it is interesting like the power is like you have this massive brand that has developed that is worth you know billions or whatever it's worth now um and there's all sorts of partnerships with adidas and like just 
like these large corporations. Um, but, you know, and, and some of that will give it value. Uh, but it is interesting that, uh, you know, there's 10,000 apes, there are 20,000 mutants, there are uh, 10,000 dogs, and, you know, now there's however many tens of thousands of pieces of other sudland. You have all these different yuga and one, and then they have all those other assets that they also own. But you have all these different pieces of all these different NFTs that um, you can choose to have ownership in, or you can not. And the power really is in the hands of the people, where um, they can make decisions and they can actually affect change in ways that, uh, I mean. It, and so this is what this is what I'm wanting to now get your guys' thoughts on. Uh, so they can they can choose to buy an ape or they can choose to to sell their ape. And if there's more people that choose to sell, well then, you know, prices go down. Um, but we also see that in, in markets today. So I, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit. Um, for example, uh, I was listening to, I don't know if you guys have been following what's been happening with bed, bath and beyond, but uh, one of their most famous kind of investors has sold his, his entire uh, stake in the company and bed and bath and beyond like 20 years ago i remember as a kid my mom going there just for all these things that were just so unique there was no brick and mortar store like it well bed bath and beyond has been frugal to their demise where they have invested so little in technology and this goes to the innovation side of things so then when uh commerce e-commerce comes around and people are shopping online bed bath and beyond is literally they're literally living in the early 2000s they do not have any e-commerce strategy uh and they have been frugal to to their demise like i said and now it's you know it's just tanking so um what, what are your guys' thoughts on like is the power in the hands of the people in a, in a unique way in web3 that it's not in the current marketplace and um yeah i'll just leave it at that um my my thoughts are that the power is in the people that understand the technology <laughs> uh still unfortunately to this point um because i mean you can look at all of the major projects that you know took what satoshi did um and built their own projects and to a certain extent you know they even though it is a decentralized technology they were able to create you know a centralized audience and project that gave them a lot of power um and then in some cases some of these newer uh relatively speaking newer projects you know then wield that power um so i i think blockchain and the idea of tokenization uh you know fungible and non-fungible tokens nfts um offer a lot of capability um but there's a lot of central old centralized powers like centralized banks and shadow um governments that operate around the world that are now looking at using this technology to manipulate people. So that's where I, I, I see us in kind of a, a arms race, so to speak, of people who are literally for building up and encouraging individual freedom and those that want to manipulate and control individual freedom for their own benefit. 
So uh, to a certain extent, yes, I, I do think it gives the power back to the people, but that mechanism has to be clearly set into place. Otherwise, it's just going to be another kind of transfer of power from one group to another. Totally, uh, totally agree with that, Jason. And I think if I can add um, my two cents, whenever it comes to innovating or, or changing policies, um, I think everyone on here seems to be a interested in in Web three, and also uh, interested in sort of the baseline, you know, bare minimum baseline Christian principles. Um, I think many times technical innovation isn't a moral question. That's more of an economic question, and I say economic because it's based off of trade offs. So it's not what is right and what is wrong. It's what are you willing to give up, you know, with any decision you make. Um, I, I only say that because people kind of in hindsight will look back and be like, oh, they shouldn't have done that. That was the bad. That was the wrong thing to do. And it's like wrong isn't the right uh, adjective there. I think what we're trying to say is like the trade-offs that they decided to make, I am not comfortable with and I would not have done things that way. Um, so for anyone in this space who is running a project, working on a project, um, I, I challenge you to look use that that frame um, when going to make a decision. Now, when it is a moral decision, you there is morality uh, involved in this space as well. Do not lie, cheat, or steal. Um, but when it's not clearly moral, um, remember there's there's always you're always giving something up. Even in decentralization, you you could be you know you're giving up user experience potentially. Um, so that that would be my only uh, my only add on there, Jason. But it's great. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. And the thing is, look at look at just the the. Uh, the founding of the internet and the internet has been used for horrendous evils, horrendous atrocities, things that are still ongoing, um, like human trafficking and all of that. Like they, I've, you know, they use like face, like Facebook, like things that we're all on, uh, for, you know, for evil and, and for sinful things. And at the same time you have, the internet being used for amazing good, the spread of the gospel in ways that has never, like, has literally never happened before. I, I, I came like so. YouTube was uh, becoming a thing when in my my late teens, and I came across uh, some pastors on YouTube that I had never heard before, and I believe it was there. On, in those messages where I heard the gospel articulated in a way that I had never heard before. And without the internet, that wouldn't have been even possible. Now imagine, and this is why I love Web3 and why I love the blockchain. And, and sure, it's going to be used for, it's going to be used for evil. It's also going to be used for um, corporations to make just a ton of money. Like, like Nike, this uh, has, like they, uh, there was an article that came out the other day that 7 million people have visited Nike's metaverse store. Um, and that uh, 20% Nike digital, which includes like their NFTs, like uh, artifact, which is one of, you know, clone X uh, Nike digital uh, and, and those sales now represent 26% of their entire brand revenue. Like that's ridiculous. And that is all that's possible because of this, this new technology, which is great. And it's, it, um, it allows like these decentralized autonomous communities to just pop up all over the world. Well, the same is actually true with, with our message. Um, we, we're able to use the, the blockchain and NFTs and tokenization um, 
for for good and for the spread of the gospel and to have these decentralized autonomous communities built around truth and built around the same kind of core values that that we hold um built around the inerrancy of scripture like how amazing is that and that you can have these you know a lot of this accessibility ui ux still is to be developed but you can you can imagine you can have these um anonymous relationships with other people and you can share information back and forth in a way that they're actually protected so you can imagine christians that are in iran or in other countries where accessing christian content is actually puts them at risk well the blockchain could allow them to access content in a in an anonymous type way where they're not having to go through a kyc process or they can't purchase content because they don't have uh, an American credit card. Like the blockchain, there's so many cool possibilities, and I, you know, it, it just gets me excited. Um, I hope, I hope that we. And th- this is what ha- this is what happened in, in so many churches. You had, um, I mean, you probably still have churches today. Do you remember those uh, projectors, those light bulb projectors, where you would put the song that was kind of on this? Uh, the transparency. Like in- Exactly. Like yes. trans- it was printed on a transparent piece of plastic and you would put it on the the projector thing, whatever it's called, and then it would kind of project it onto the wall just with light. Um and then eventually you moved to PowerPoint. Like and then you went to live streaming and like inevitably you're at home sick with COVID and oh like I can't I can't like join into my local church community and but now we, we can thanks to live streaming. Like there's or, or church websites. How long did it take for churches to even get online to have their sermons available and to have just this wealth of of content to learn your Bible better? Um, I don't want us to be late in this regard. Let's we have a chance right now to be ahead of the curve to help people understand the space and to help them see the possibilities for for good in the space for for the kingdom. Yeah, I was, um, that's great, Stephen. I was just going to add on to it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, um, for those of us in the U S who, who are just very comfortable, you know, a lot of these other countries, um, they are regularly, um, you know, threatened by their governments. They're regularly, you know, um, uh, dealing with runaway inflation. Um, they're dealing with their gut, their banks, um, suddenly just, you know, draining all of their life savings and money, um, you know, out of, out of their accounts. So like, we don't necessarily face that, or at least we don't publicly see that it's going on or know that it's going on in the U.S. as much. Um, but like, you know, Litecoin was one uh, project that started out of China when um, co- the communist government shut down their media um, group. I think they were based in Hong Kong um, and they created a, a totally decentralized um, content hosting kind of company to host their news stories about what was happening in the local area that the government could not bring down. So like in those situations, it's it, it can add a lot of value there. Um, and I mean, I, I think those of us who are Christians, you know, we've read through revelations and can kind of have an understanding of it. You know, I, I think that blockchain technologies can provide a great solution to 
just the consolidation of powers that is happening around the world. So, uh, and further uh, increase the sharing of the gospel. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, I think those organizations, individuals, and businesses that want to embrace innovation are going to see that and are literally. Um, I, I think Stephen, you know this too, uh, just from the conversations we've had together. But um, you know, there's a lot of people out there, especially Christian groups and individuals that are like, "Hey, we know that this is amazing." Um, but we need help to get involved here. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of people waiting for leaders to rise up and kind of be, you know, um, I don't want mean it to sound cliche, but, you know, be the shepherds, you know, to kind of guide people that God is equipped with some of this um, understanding of the innovative tech and guide people in, in getting onboarded and, and knowing how they can learn and, and apply all of this amazing tech. Well, I think it's a perfect segue, and well said, Jason. I think it's a perfect segue uh, to give the uh, customary shill before we close down the end of the Twitter space, because that's definitely something that we're passionate about at Reformers, is uh, guiding especially Christians who want to build and leverage the power of Web3 for everything that we've been talking about, for having a sense of permanency, for sharing the gospel. Um, I mean, I'll even give the shill for Carbon12 of uh, trying to create a token and working to create a token that will uh, allow Christians to have a uh, a ecosystem with which we can trade our goods and our services and using Carbon12. And so uh, if anyone's listening to this live and you're not already, we'd be honored uh, for you to join the Reformers Discord, uh, as well as uh, be willing to, uh, you can click on Jason's face and uh, navigate uh, all the way to the Carbon12 um, a program and join their discord as well. But, uh, yeah, the, I think that that's definitely something that is definitely needed as we continue on in this space is, and, and I think we're going to have to learn, um, as just individuals, as groups, how can we help people navigate the basics of the space, but then how can we also help people go layers deeper and, and make it in such a way, I think going back to the beginning, that the user experience is one where they want to go a layer deeper. And it makes really clear, I think, that like Web3 might already have a bit of a branding problem, right? And so how do we so say, hey, do you, do, you, like, do you use Ticketmaster? Do you use Venmo? Do you use Cash App? Great. Well, this is just a different level of technology that allows you to do things and solve problems in ways that maybe you haven't even thought about how you have a problem um, before, or it's a more permanent solution to a problem that one of these other solutions have. And, and a lot of people don't, they don't really care how Venmo works. They just care that they can Venmo their friend 10 bucks, right? And so knowing that, hey, uh, going back to what is it? Uh, Apple's when they had the fir very first iPod, um, it's they didn't talk about the uh, number of gigabytes or whatever that you put in your pocket. They said ten thousand songs you can carry in your pocket, right? And everyone's like, "Oh, I can easily understand that." And so I think that's part of going to be the work ahead of us is what is an NFT, what is a token, 
what are all of these things that we can now use thanks to the blockchain and how do they solve real world problems? Uh, like my wife and I were watching uh, something on the TV earlier and it reminds me if you go to iTunes or if you go to Amazon and you click quote unquote buy, if you buy a digital movie, do you actually own anything? Can you resell it out to someone else? The answer is no. And so, okay, well, this solves that problem digitally. So finding simple solutions and simple explanations for people, I think, is going to be huge also uh, moving forward. And, and the work, we're all, we're, all, we're all newbies here. So we need more people and more hands-on. So again, if you're listening to the replay, uh, please be sure to join the Reformers Discord. You can go to reformersnft.com and uh, click the Join Discord button. We'd be honored to uh, gain a new community member that's helping us uh, help other Christians that are builders in the Web3 space which is what we're all about. And I think that this was a really fantastic conversation, one that I'm excited to download and publish on the uh, soon-to-be-published Reformers Roundtable uh, podcast version for easy listening. So thanks, everyone, for joining in. Any final words uh, from anyone on stage, Stephen, Jason, Jack? This was an awesome conversation. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Yeah, I just wanted to mention... uh... Uh, Sean, when are we going to do the Carmen 12 reformers Twitter space together? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you check your uh, discord DMS, I, I actually DM'd you earlier today, uh, trying to follow up about it. So let's, let's definitely talk about it and let's do it. Nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Today's been a crazy day. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Well, we, we at least have another week to figure out, figure it out. So we're, we're good there, but yes, coming, coming very, very soon. Steven, any cl- final closing thoughts? No, I loved it. Thanks, guys, for joining. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. And a shout out to Twitter for giving us even more emojis to choose from because I'm now looking at a couple. I get thumbs up, thumbs up, and they brought back the 100. 100. What? I, I don't see these. You don't see, don't these? see these? Oh, you must need to upgrade, up, uh, update your app or something. Uh, all right. But I now have the 100 back which I'm very happy about. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, everyone. This was a great space, and we'll see you in a future one. All right. Have a good week, guys. See you.